Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Brothers and sisters, welcome. We are live here on this Sunday, January 28th, and it is great to be with you for our time of prayer and delving into the Word of God, which is the Word of life. We celebrate life, especially on every Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ occurring on the morning of the third day. His victory over death is a victory over the entire kingdom of death. And that's why we are pro-life, and that's why we are pro-life with confidence moving forward in this great battle. We're going to go into these readings today and talk about how the Word of God is to be absorbed into every cell of our being. We'll see how the readings deal with that theme and take inspiration from it. Let's go into the presence of God together, and you can leave your prayer intentions as you wish in the comments. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we come before you with joy, because Christ is risen. All evil has been conquered, sin has been destroyed, death has been overcome, and we have a share in this victory. Through our faith, through sharing your life in baptism, by living in the Spirit. We repent of our sins, give us forgiveness, Lord God, and let us learn the lessons from anything that we have done wrong in the past. But let us not be weighed down by it. Let us move forward with great and tremendous confidence in this new life that you give us to live. Bless all our needs and intentions. Bless our leaders and bless our process of electing leaders this year in these elections. And bless us now that we may understand your word more deeply. Live it more faithfully and proclaim it more effectively. We ask all this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Our reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses spoke to all the people, saying, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen. This is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb. On the day of the assembly, when you said, Let us not again hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, lest we die. And the Lord said to me, This was well said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kin, and will put my words into his mouth. He shall tell them all that I command him. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. But if a prophet presumes to speak in my name an oracle that I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, he shall die. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's sing the responsorial psalm. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. 
Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to Him. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Come then, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us. For He is our God, and we are the people He shepherds, the flock He guides. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear His voice, harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me, they tested me, though they had seen all my works. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. <clears throat> Our second reading is from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, I should like you to be free of anxieties. An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is anxious about the things of the Lord, so that she may be holy in both body and spirit. A married woman, on the other hand, is anxious about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I am telling you this for your own benefit, not to impose a restraint upon you, but for the sake of propriety, and adherence to the Lord without distraction. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Gospel reading is from the Gospel according to Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue there was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. Well, we have these powerful readings, brothers and sisters, and what is clear in them is that God speaks to us. He's not a silent God. God speaks to His people because He wants them to know who He is, he wants them to know who they are. He wants them to know, He wants us to know, the path we have to follow in order to be with Him forever. The path we have to follow in order for evil not to triumph, in order for good to prevail, 
in order for truth to prevail over falsehood, in order for life to overcome death. So he speaks. This is how he makes it happen. He speaks and he creates everything. He speaks in order to raise the dead. He speaks in order to put us on the path of life. So if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, because that it's the hardening of the heart which is the problem. Many people misdiagnose the problem. And they say, oh, well, I wish God would speak. I wish God would speak. He is speaking. The problem is the hardness of their hearts. Oh, but if God would only tell me. And many people say, oh, yeah, only if Jesus would appear to me today and just tell me what I need to do, then I would do it. Don't be so sure. If you won't do it now, what, what makes you think you'll do it then? Have you not heard the words of Jesus? The problem is in the heart, not in the ears. It's in the heart. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The fact is you will hear his voice. You heard it many times. This is like the blind man born blind in John chapter 9. Everybody saw the same evidence. The man himself called Jesus Lord, the Pharisees. It didn't matter if a miracle like this had never been done before. They were, their hearts were closed to Jesus and no miracle was going to open them up. And Jesus said as much. If you were blind, he said, there would be no sin in that. But we see, you say, and your sin remains. Hardness of heart. Oh, I already know what God wants. If today you hear his voice, listen. Another example is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, right? The rich man is in hell. He's talking to Father Abraham. Oh, but if somebody comes back, to, to them from the dead, then they will repent. Warn my brothers. And what did Father Abraham say, and therefore Jesus say? Well, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. The problem isn't that they don't have the message. It's the least of our problems. We have Moses, the prophets, Jesus, the apostles, the saints, the church, the gospels. We have it all. Harden not your hearts. Moses, in this first reading, foretells Christ, talks about Christ. A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you. And then he says, you will listen to him. What did the father say when Jesus came up out of the water after John administered the baptism? Not for repentance on Jesus' part. He didn't have to repent of anything. But as a sign that he was the Lamb of God to take away our sins, the Father's voice said, listen to him. What did he say on the Mount of Transfiguration? Listen to him. This is my beloved Son. Listen. Listen to him. Now, in understanding the role of God in speaking, and he speaks above all through Christ, in understanding the role of the prophet that Moses is talking about here, we come to understand our own role. First of all, Christ Jesus himself. Moses is talking about Jesus. Because in and throughout the Old Testament, you see a, a teaching that nobody can see God and live. Now, that's not because God hates us and He wants to destroy us. That's because God is so infinitely overwhelming. We, would, we, we can't take it. We wouldn't be able to survive if we saw God face to face. That's the marvelous thing about heaven. We will see God face to face, and we will survive. 
because we'll be sustained in our supernatural life. But the fact of the matter remains that the teaching is there. You cannot see God and live. So the people were afraid. When God began to reveal Himself, they were actually afraid. And they remember they came together at the foot of Mount Sinai, and there was thunder and lightning and a loud voice. They said, no, we're afraid of this. Don't, don't do that anymore. Come to us in a more palatable way. So Moses said, okay, the Lord is going to do this. He's going to raise up a prophet. Christ Jesus, of course, is a prophet with a capital P. And I will put my words into his mouth. Now, let's make a comparison here. If God raises up a prophet here on earth, and we are all prophets in the sense that we share in the prophetic role of Christ by our baptism, We've all been given the Word. The Word is given to us from the outside. And we'll, we'll see in a moment what Scripture tells us we should do with that Word. But He raises us all up as prophets. And of course, you read through the Old Testament, you see different prophets coming, standing before the people and saying, Thus says the Lord. Remember, a prophet is not so much predicting the future. That is part of it. But he's telling the present. That's the overriding a purpose of him speaking. He's talking about what God wants of us here and now. He's not just a, a fortune teller or a future teller. He's a present teller. What does God think about what you're doing now? All right. A prophet is responsible under pain of death, Moses says here, and the Lord says through Moses, to accurately represent the words God has given to him. If a prophet presumes to speak in my name something I didn't tell him, he's going to die. Serious responsibility. Every prophet has the same responsibility. We have the same responsibility. Clergy, pastors, bishops, popes have the same responsibility. You have to be faithful to the word God himself has given, not just to you, but to us. He gives the word to us. Nobody comes along as an oracle of God. In other words, okay, there's just a pipeline between God and this person, so everything this person's saying is the Word of God. The only one we can say that about is Jesus Christ. All the other prophets are responsible to be faithful to the Word God has given to them. So we see a distinction here. Moses warns, God again warning through, to, through Moses, prophets have to be faithful to the Word they've received. But a prophet like me, the Lord God will raise up Jesus Christ, he is the Word. So when it says here, I will put my words into His mouth. In time, in human history, God puts the words into the mouths of the prophet. He's put His words into you and me for, through our learning of the faith, our reading of the Scriptures. But in the case of Christ, this action is eternal. I will put my words into His mouth. When does that happen with Jesus? From all eternity, the communion of life in the Holy Trinity, the Father begetting the Son, begotten, not made, one in, one, one in being with the Father, consubstantial with the Father, consubstantial. The Father puts His Word into Jesus when He generates Him from all eternity. And that's why in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word Every prophet has to absorb and speak faithfully. The Word was God. So this, I will put my words into His mouth, 
happened in Jesus' case from all eternity. That's why in this gospel passage, what do you hear? You hear the people listening to the teaching of Jesus and they're amazed. Amazed at what? They were amazed at this new teaching with authority. Because He is the Word. A new teaching with authority. Because He is God. A new teaching with authority. Because the Word was from all eternity. The Father generating the Son. A Word with new authority. He wasn't just quoting the scribes, in other words. Quoting other people. No. He spoke on His own authority. Amen, amen. I say to you. Now, we have to be careful if we do that because it's not coming from us. What is it in our case? We have to eat the Word. Eat. When we eat something, it becomes part of our body, right? It goes into our bloodstream. That's why we have to be careful about what we eat. It goes into our bloodstream because it literally goes into our, our, our cells. It becomes part of us. You are what you eat. Remember that old saying, you are what you eat? Okay. I will put my words into his mouth. I want to look at some Old Testament and New Testament passages that emphasize what uh, Deuteronomy says here about God putting his word into our mouth. Remember, he puts it into Christ's mouth. Uh, from all eternity. He's the, he's the only begotten Son of God. He puts it into our mouths in time. And there's some powerful scriptures indicating how that happens. Ezekiel the prophet, for example, talks about a, what happened to him. Chapter 3, verse 3. Let me start with verse 1. He said to me, as is Ezekiel speaking, He said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel, and speak with my words to them. Remember what Jesus said to his apostles? He who listens to you listens to me. Speak my word to them, God says to the prophets. For you are not to send to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Surely if I send you to such, they will listen to you. But first he has to eat the scroll. So this is a symbol of the fact that we have got to and it's not enough just to hear the word. I mean, Jesus makes that clear, right? On the judgment, some will say, oh, but you taught in our streets. And the, the, the Lord will say, well, what difference does that make? You didn't eat it. You didn't let it be, go into you and be digested. And it, we can't just look at food. Looking at food is not going to nourish us. Hearing a beautiful description of food is not going to nourish us. Reading a recipe is not going to nourish us. Even watching someone cook a meal or getting the aroma of the excellent foods that are being prepared, that's not enough. Eat the scroll. Eat the scroll. Jeremiah, 
chapter 15, verse 16, Jeremiah the prophet says, I found your words, Lord, and I devoured them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Yeah, we're called by his name. His word that we're called to literally make part of our very being, like food. That word made us. He spoke and it was made. He spoke us into being. And so when we receive his word, when we eat his word, that's really food that the body is going to like that the soul is going to like, that the heart is going to like, because it's food that corresponds to the very word that made us in the first place. And then we see, now the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, as you may know, quotes a lot actually from the prophet Ezekiel. It draws a lot from the prophet Ezekiel, even if it doesn't explicitly say the name Ezekiel. But let me go to Revelation chapter 10, because again, uh, this is the final passage I'll look at here, bringing about this image once again. Of, uh, of eating the scroll. And Revelation 10 says this. Uh, the angel, okay, let's see here. There would be no more, uh, okay. Uh, then a voice I heard saying from heaven spoke to me again, John writes, and says, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat. Does that remind you of something? Because later on, the Word is going to become flesh, and He's going to give us His body and blood, and He's going to say, take and eat. So the angel says to John about the scroll, take and eat. It will make your stomach bitter. But now, but in your mouth, it will be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth. You know, the Psalms talk about the law of the Lord being like honey from the comb. Why? Because, again, we were made according to it. It leads us to happiness and fulfillment, and our heart knows that. So we are to run after His Word, run after His commandments, and then eat them, devour them. He said to me, take and eat. And I took it, I ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told... You must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. We're called to be prophets. Why would this word, if it's as sweet as honey in our mouth, if it's the word according to which we were made, if it is the word of life, if it is Jesus himself, why would it make the stomach bitter? Well, listen, you already know the answer to that. Two things. Number one. God's Word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides spirit and bones and marrow. In other words, it's going to reveal to you things about yourself that you're not going to like when you realize how much purification is necessary. My Father prunes every branch that it may bear more fruit. Through many trials we must enter the kingdom of God. Your tribulations are so, St. Peter says, so that your faith, which is more precious than fire, tried gold may in the end win praise and glory. In other words, we go through tribulation. The Word doesn't just inspire and enlighten us and lift us up and console us. It challenges us. It purifies us. It points out to us our sin. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? By the way, every time He gives us the Word, He gives us the Spirit. Because the Spirit wrote the Word, and the Spirit helps us understand it. He's giving us the Spirit now as we're talking about His Word. 
we need the external preacher and then we need the Spirit to speak internally. And he says when he sends the Spirit, he's going to convict you of sin. So it's like, uh-oh, there may be a little bitterness in this word, and I eat this word. If we eat it, not just looking at it from afar, not just watching the cooking show, but eating it, devouring it, digesting it. And then, and then, it's also bitter because those who bear witness to the word will be persecuted. It's a promise. It's, it goes with the territory. The light came into the world, but men preferred darkness. Some hated the light. If you hate the light, you're going to try to put it out. And here is where persecution of Christians comes in. Let's turn to the Lord and pray that we may indeed eat His Word, become one with His Word, proclaim it faithfully, endure the trials, and come to the joy of the life eternal which this Word brings us. Let us pray. Thank you, Father. We thank you for the word given to the prophets. We thank you for the word which is Jesus Christ. We thank you for the fulfillment of Moses' words that a prophet like him, like him, in other words, one who spoke with God face to face like a friend to a friend, and Moses' face was transformed with glory, one like him who would be in your presence, that is, the word who was with God and the word who was God from all eternity, Thank you for fulfilling that promise in Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving the word to us. Thank you for all the tools we have, including these gatherings now, Lord God. Thank you for all the tools we have to absorb your word, to eat it. Thank you, Lord God, for even the bitterness that it might bring to our stomach as we learn of the things we must change, the evil ways we must renounce, getting out of our comfort zone as we grow, and also the persecution we must endure. We thank you for that bitterness because in the end, the bitterness is temporary. The joy is eternal. Your Word, your Son, our Savior. In His hands now we place all our intentions, all our needs, those that have been mentioned in the comments, those that are still in our hearts. Lord God, by the power of your word, grant us what we need. And by the power of our prophetic word, may we assist all those around us. And may we speak life into death. May we speak hope into despair and save unborn babies from being aborted. Save them. Raise them. Rescue them from the claws of death in the form of the, the violence of abortion. The Word, Lord God, restores hope and gives strength to say yes to life. Lord God, we now gather together all of our prayers and intentions on this Lord's Day and we bring them to you in the words Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Happy Lord's Day. Great to be with you. Bring others into these scripture reflections every day. And remember all our other programming too. And let's interact even more on social media. I love it when you leave comments here on these broadcasts. But, you know, on our other postings that we do on the social media platforms at FR Frank Pavone, feel free to interact with the comments and, and uh, put comments of your own. And uh, this helps us actually expand our audience because the more interaction there is on each of these platforms, the more the platforms reach out to others and say, hey, you might be interested in this because apparently a lot of other people are too. So your comments actually help us reach more people just like you. So I appreciate that. Have a great day. We will talk to you tomorrow. God bless. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.